Hey, I want people to question your sanity. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. You know, if everyone in your family and workplace commends you on how well you're doing, maybe you're not thinking big enough. You know, big ideas and goals always attract criticism from small thinkers. Don't be afraid to step out with plans that make people think you're crazy. Well, our sponsor today is Fresh Books. You can go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and are 48 days in the how did you hear about a section to get a free 30-day trial. Well, here's some questions we're going to be looking at today. Got some great questions. Here's somebody says we've saved $200,000 and are debating between buying a house or quitting our unfulfilling jobs to travel for six or 12 months as an opportunity like this might not present itself again. What do you, oh, man, I love that question. We'll get to it in a minute. Dan, what would be a good class or conference to attend to work in my leadership skills and personal growth? How about this? How do I deal with the guilt of not loving the job that brings my parents' unfailing pride in their daughter? And how do I let down my clients who have come to depend on me to take care of their loved ones? Boy, there's a power-packed question. How do you deal with the guilt of not loving the job that your parents helped you get and that bring them unfailing pride. Wow. Well, Dan, I have a desire to start a business to help with our family's income and have several ideas. This may seem ridiculous and silly, but I'm fearful. All right, there you go. Got a lot to cover today. Here's our quotation. Comes from Robin Sharma, who says, If people aren't laughing at your dreams, your dreams aren't big enough. Now, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor, and we're going to jump right into our questions. We just finished tax time. Now, hopefully, you didn't just procrastinate and not pay your taxes and file an extension, blah, blah, blah. Golly, I filed my taxes on time. Overpaid this year. I don't know that I've ever done that in my life, but because of, actually made made more money, but because of moving some things around and because of some major improvements that we did here at the sanctuary, I actually overpaid, which was kind of a cool feeling. But I got my first quarter, um, the, the total deposit already completed. So that's a good feeling. So I've got the first quarter completed, taxes filed, all paid, ready to go for the year. You know, I hear people mumble and complain about taxes and certainly rightfully so but you know if you got taxes to pay it means you probably had a pretty good year people who don't pay taxes you know aren't making any money so uh, don't begrudge it too much you pay tax i mean joanne sometimes cringes when i tell her you know what we're paying in taxes but it just simply means that things are working pretty okay on the other side of the equation as well well part of the reason i was in such good shape get my taxes done is because of using fresh books fresh books just makes things easy for somebody like me who hates accounting hates doing the books but it just makes things really simple i mean even like 
invoices, send in invoices. Not only can you create an invoice in 30 seconds, but you could also see when somebody opens it. Oh no, when they say, oh, I don't remember getting that. You actually see when they open it and it certainly prompts them, makes it easy for them to just pay there. So again, hey, check it out. Go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days, enter 48 days in how did you hear about a section and you'll get a three 30-day unrestricted free trial, and I, I'm confident you'll go ahead and continue using it beyond that as well. Well, speaking of money, I got another thing today that just came in this in the issue of the week, which I get, which is just a little synopsis of news items, but this has to do with the student loan debt again. I mean, this is growing just exponentially. Student loan debt has grown by 170% in the last 10 years to now an incredible $1.4 trillion. I mean, that dwarfs everything else. Housing, real estate, all those kind of things, banking troubles, $1.4 trillion. The average college student now carries about 34000 in debt, a burden that has been linked to everything from decreased home ownership to marital problems and depression. Making matters worse, many students holding debt don't even graduate meaning they miss out on what they thought was going to be an income boost from getting a degree. So they owe thousands and thousands of dollars in student loan debt and didn't even get a degree. My gosh, how tough is that? Please check out ways, golly, check out Rachel Cruz. Dave Ramsey's daughter has a new book out again, a new resource on how to avoid debt when you're going to college. Please, please, please just do that. I mean, I I helped my mother-in-law resolve student loan debt that she had when she was 72 years old. The government was garnishing her social security checks because it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away even with bankruptcy. What a horrible position to be in, to be starting to get social security checks and have those garnished by the government to take care of student loan debt. Just don't get into that position. Don't get into that situation. Well, enough on that. Hey, here's a cool question. This comes from Eric and Joanna. To say a little over a year ago, um, my wife, 31, and I, 34, had to move out of the duplex that we were renting as the owners decided to sell it unexpectedly and retire overseas. Without making any hasty decisions about buying a house or finding another rental unit, we decided to temporarily move in with my in-laws to decide our next move. Currently, no one is kicking us out. However, we know it's time to go. We saved $200,000 and are debating between buying a house or quitting our unfulfilling jobs in early 2018 to travel for six or 12 months as an opportunity like this might not present itself anytime soon. Um, Well, let me just stop there. So by 2018, now here we are, this is April 2017, but Eric says by 2018, our projected savings would be 220000 plus, and we'd like to maybe dedicate 40000 to travel. What would Dan do in this situation? Oh, my gosh. Here's what Dan would do. Dan looks for and solutions, not either or. So it's not a matter of would I travel and burn through forty grand, or would I buy a house maximizing our investing earning potential there? I would do both. Here's how I do that. Now, let's see. You're in Connecticut. 
Well, let me, let me give you two scenarios. Let's say that you buy a really cool house and you pay $400,000 for it. So, and we'll just go with round figures. So you, you, you put down 200000 and you get a mortgage for 200000 Now, if you borrow 200000 at 5% for 30 years, your monthly payment's going to be about $1,000 a month. If you have an interest rate of 4.5% and do 15 years, which is what I would recommend you do, everything, principal, interest, and all, is going to be about $1,800 a month. Now, let's just go with that as an example. I would buy the house and immediately rent it out. If you're going to be gone for six months, get a six-month renter in there. You know, get a six-month renter in there where you can more than, you know, rent the house for $2,000. Rent your really cool house, your $400,000 house for $2,000 a month, and certainly you can do that, and that more than takes care of your mortgage. So you have the house. It's not costing you. You know you have it to come back, and you're not only paying the interest, you're making more money as well. Now, here's the other scenario. And you can list your house with Airbnb or VRBO, you know, vacation rental by owner, or just get a property manager locally that manages for you and get that one long-term renter in there. That's exactly what I would do. Now, here's the other scenario. You could just take your $200,000 and pay cash for a house. So you have no mortgage at all and get somebody in there to rent it and you immediately have income to fund your traveling so you don't deplete your assets at all from your traveling now that's exactly what my daughter ashley her husband nathan and their three little girls are doing right now they've been traveling for about eight months now and have no plans to stop i mean i'm selling both of their cars they have no plans to stop But now they really have this thing wired well. I mean, they do have a house that they own. They do have renters in there. So they do make their mortgage payment, usually plus another mortgage payment every month. So they're making money there. Of course, in this case, Ashley continues to work for me. Uh, They've always lived on the money she makes from me, investing the rest that Nathan made. So they're in good shape to continue that. And they can continue living on the road indefinitely, which is what they plan to do. They're making money. They they are increasing their savings and investments every day. It's not like they're out there just counting the days, you know, till they deplete everything they've gotten and come back. No, there's too many unique options for how you can do that. You may start a little online business or you may do web design or something. I'm not sure what kind of work you two do, but you could certainly look at ways you could generate income while you're on the road. I mean, spend two hours a day working. That's about what Ashley does. And the rest of the time playing, but not depleting assets. That's exactly what I would do. Wow, what a great position to be in. Congratulations to you guys for knocking it out of the park and being in that position. What a great starting point. You live to start the next adventurous chapter of your life. Well, here's a question that comes from Bob. Who says, uh, my wife and I really enjoy your podcast. I've uh, been listening for several years. Heard about you from Dave Ramsey. My question is, what would be a good class or conference to attend? I'm currently in sales and I want to work on my leadership skills and personal growth. Been a big reader over the last years, but your last podcast really got me to thinking about what conferences I should attend. Now, that was probably the one 
where I talked about investing in yourself. Investing 3 to 5% in yourself. So if you're making $50,000 a year, at that point I would suggest 5%. That would be $2,500. So that'll take you to a nice conference. If you're making $100,000, yeah, you know, that's uh, $5,000 you have. And incidentally, you know, here, here's what John Maxwell says about this. If you say you don't have the resources to invest in yourself, you have a scarcity problem. You don't have an income problem. You have a thinking problem. What you're saying is I don't believe enough in myself to invest in me. Well, anyway, let me tell you some conferences that I would suggest that you go to. And again, I commend you on being in a position where you're, you're saying, yeah, you want to invest in yourself? You want to get to some conferences? And there's a whole bunch of them. Now, you said that you want to work on your leadership skills and personal growth. So let me give you some examples this year here coming up in 2017 that I would recommend. One would be check out Global Leadership Summit. Now, that's through Willow Creek Church up in Chicago. And you can go to willowcreek.com events and you'll find it right there. It's Thursday and Friday, August 10th and 11th. But that's going to have some really world-class leaders there. And, and the cool thing about that one is, too, uh, you can go to the live event in Chicago, but it's also simulcast at like 600 different locations. You could probably go to a location really close to where you are. And let's say you're in Columbia, Tennessee. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be locations here that are going to be simulcast in that. And so you can participate, but still be rubbing shoulders with other high achievers for that, those couple days. Here's some others. There's one called the Human Gathering. It's um, coming up in Los Angeles, a conference that brings together 300 of the world's most influential business owners, executives, and investors. And got a whole bunch of notable people there. There's LeaderCast out of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, they're going to have speakers on this year like Tyler, uh, Daniel Pink and Tyler Perry. It'd be pretty cool. Live to Lead. October 6th in Birmingham. Um, that one is hosted by John Maxwell, but other speakers are involved. The Strategic Growth Forum in, in November in Palm Springs is one that I would recommend. Um, golly, I mean, they, they've got some really cool speakers there. World Business Forum is in November in New York City. I mean, just, just do some searches to find these things. The Fortune Growth Summit. I mean, there's one that I went to last year, the Inc. Grow Conference. Now, they had one of the events were right, right here in Nashville, so it was easy for me to go. But, boy, just a great day. Uh, talked to some really interesting people, uh, people who had started new innovative companies, the Grow Conference through Inc. I would recommend that highly. There's an iconic conference um, coming up in Los Angeles. Anyway, a whole bunch of these that you can check out. Um, and again, yeah, I commend you on doing that. I mean, I, I get excited looking at the things that are coming up, seminars, workshops, things that I want to attend so I can network with people who I know are on the same path as I am. But certainly you want to do that. Invest in yourself. Great question. Well, hey, just a reminder here. These are real questions. These are questions submitted by people like you and me who are living life out here, trying to figure out how to get through things, challenging us, inspiring us, giving us new opportunities, but you can send your question in, I'd be delighted to include it in a upcoming lineup. 
just send that question to askdan at 48days.com. You can, you can send the audio question. Boy, I've got a couple today. I'm not sure I'll get to them. But anyway, you can send an audio question. Um, just click anywhere on the 48days.com site, and you'll see a little microphone down there in the, the bottom right-hand side where you can just click on that and send me an audio message. Now, that's cool as well. Now, Melissa asked this, and this is a pretty involved question. Got to park on this one a little bit. You know what? I'll, I'll um, keep some details kind of uh, behind the scenes here so not all of this is shared. But Melissa's asking, because I've been experiencing an internal conflict for about three years now. I know in my heart that I don't love my job. In fact, most days I don't even like it. And just the idea that I don't like it incites an overwhelming guilt in me. You see, I have one of those dream jobs. When I tell people what I do, I'm usually met with overwhelming respect and admiration, which is often followed with, oh, I wish I could have done that. Or my daughter, cousin, neighbor, fiance hopes to do that one day. And if you identify with that, and if you're in positions like that, where you're not real thrilled about what you're doing, but other people looking in saying, oh my, I wish I could have done that. You're so lucky to have that kind of position. Well... That's Melissa's situation. She says, I'm a veterinarian. Been practicing for 14 years. My husband's also a veterinarian. We have a very successful practice in a rural part of the country. We have one, another business partner, two physical locations. The office I work out of is brand new and beautiful. We're very, very proud of the facility and our practice in general. So what's not to love? Well, she goes through the demands that are expected unrealistic expectations that are put on veterinarians you know the hours and all of those things they have expensive overhead specialized employees that expect to get a paycheck and she goes through some of the challenges again some of you may be rolling your eyes thinking yeah right i wish i had those kind of challenges with that kind of potential income and so on well she continues i think i was subconsciously aware from the early stages of my career that it was not the best fit but I kept hoping that it stemmed from a lack of confidence from being inexperienced. Well, it's taken me 14 years to finally recognize that the passion is just not there. And I'm not sure it ever really was. Yet, even though I'm in this state of unhappiness right now, I don't regret my decision. Uh, when, if I hadn't followed this, I wouldn't have met my husband. We have three wonderful kids. We ultimately find ourselves in this wonderful small community that we love. We have a good life. Financially healthy, responsible savers, zero credit card debt, have enough disposable income to enjoy vacations and hobbies. What do I have to complain about? You know, it's funny how Melissa, you keep asking yourself the question that probably all of us looking in are asking. What are you complaining about when you have all these wonderful things in place? Well, you say the biggest problem I found is that I spend so many hours a day solving everyone else's problems that I often have nothing left for my family. When I do come home, I feel as if I have to give the best parts of myself to my clients and their pets in order for my business to thrive, and that's just not fair to the people who matter the most to me. For a long time, I felt I had no options. Spent seven years working on a highly specialized professional degree. Uh, yes, I know that there are a multitude of corporate positions available for veterinarians, but most of those require a large amount of travel 
are commuting to a large city a couple hours away. I don't want to sacrifice needless hours in a vehicle working in a profession that I'm not passionate about. Okay, now I'm going to compress some of the rest of your question here. You've discovered something you really do want to do, and that's being involved in the economic development of your small town. You're involved in the grassroots volunteer group that is working on revitalization projects. You love what you're doing. You've been appointed to your town's economic development commission. You're serving on a board. It brings, you say, great fulfillment. Uh, I'm collaborating directly with some of the heads of our prominent manufacturing companies and city commissioners. While working as an animal doctor, my mind is constantly thinking of new ways to promote business and industry in our city. Now, there's been a fair amount of discussion about eventually hiring an executive director. And yes, you know who you'd like that person to be. I want to be that person, you say. But then the question is, how do I change my career by pursuing a job that doesn't technically even exist? How do I convince the city officials that this is something worthy of investing in? How do I get them to consider allowing a veterinarian with no formal training in the field to lead the charge? Is it unethical to promote the creation of a position that I ultimately wish to have? Additionally, how do I justify making that shift, knowing that with absolute certainty that it will be a significant cut in pay? How do I deal with the guilt of not doing the job that brings my parents unfailing pride in their daughter? How do I let down my clients who have come to depend on me to take care of their loved ones? Well, I love your questions. I love the way you set it out. And this fits so many people. I mean, I talk to dentists, to physicians, to veterinarians, to accountants, to pastors, to engineers, to architects every day who have the same scenario. That's why I love so much what you're asking here. Melissa, uh, and, and yeah, I read more of your question than I typically would because you had so many great details in there that really set the stage. You're trained professionally. You're doing really well. People respect you love you for what you're doing. It's not distasteful to you, but it just isn't your passion. And after 14 years, you're seeing a new opportunity. But how do you make that kind of move? When you are so identified with the one thing that you're already doing. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to give you just a couple quick tips on this. Number one is you ask about, you know, how are they going to take you seriously? You're a veterinarian. How are they going to take you seriously as somebody involved in economic development? Well, like most positions in the world, it's not a degree that positions for you. It's proven competence and success already. You already have the credibility of being a doctor in your little town. You already have the credibility of being on the economic development board. You're already talking to heads, CEOs of manufacturing firms, and looking at ways you can really build what your community is doing. Do you really think they want you to stop and go back to school and read a book in a classroom so you can show that you have a degree that's more closely aligned? I don't think so. You can rock this. You can make yourself the candidate that they need. And yes, you can describe the position that you want. You can create the position that you want. Absolutely. I mean, that's the best way to do it. Rather than just filling a slot for a job description that somebody else created, create the perfect ideal job as you would want it to be 
with you being the candidate in that position and go all the way through. I mean, you can go all the way through to expected compensation. Now here's the deal. And here's the real issue that you're going to deal with. I think creating and getting the position that you describe is the easy part. Here's the part that does concern me. And you do address this pretty thoroughly in your written resolving what you expect your husband's reaction to be. That's the more important issue. You know, you indicate, you imply he may feel like you're kind of discarding something you worked on together or you're diminishing the value of what he's going to continue doing. You've got to address that first. I mean, but explain your growing passion for your city with him. I mean, I, I want Joanne to have her own areas of interest. I mean, she just showed me a little bit ago a painting that she's doing. It's a beautiful, beautiful painting of like a an, a blue heron. It's actually a, a, a nemesis on our property. A blue heron has been swooping in and getting all of our beautiful fish out of our water feature. But that's another story. But anyway, she's, she's done, I think, just to kind of... Uh, change her thinking about this beautiful, beautiful painting. I want her to enjoy what she experiences as an artist. I don't want to try to duplicate that. I know that if I tried to duplicate it, you know, that I'd immediately be looking at it as a, some kind of competition. I don't want to do that. I want that to be something special that only she enjoys. Get your husband on board to have that kind of, uh, same kind of excitement about what you want to move into. Get him on board with where you want to go. If you can do that, that will in, give you increased confidence, boldness, and enthusiasm for moving forward. Now, here's the caveat. Without his support, here's what I'm going to recommend that you do. Without his support, I'm going to recommend that you reduce your hours as a veterinarian and devote 10 to 15 hours a week to your city work. But don't try to make that your primary focus. Now, that's pretty strong distinction, but I feel that strongly about it. You need to work at getting your husband on board with this new direction that you want to go. If you get him excited and on board, there's all the lights are green. Go in that direction. You guys will figure out how to handle a little bit of reduction in income. You'll get creative about other things you can do to make up the gap. I mean, I'm confident you can do that. But the big thing is getting him on board because without that, you're looking at creating more hardship and heartache for yourself than what you have already. Well, hey, let me just, you know, this would be a good place here. i got to catch my breath, think through here a little bit. But be a good place to pull in an old John Lennon song here. Because this really doesn't provide what you're wanting to do and to what a whole lot of the rest of you listening to want to do as well. People say I'm crazy. Take that down. Uh, you know, I, I love the 
I love the, the model there. I love the mentality in that song. I just love that. People think I'm crazy doing what I'm doing. I love ideas where other people think I'm crazy doing what I'm doing. I love those kind of things that stretch people's thinking where they say that's impossible. I mean, those are the kind of things that inspire me, that energize me. And I know that for a lot of you, you feel the same way. And if everybody's patting you on the back, telling you how great you're doing, yeah, maybe you're not thinking big enough. And this is not just about breaking what's working and doing things that are ridiculous, but my goodness, look around you. The things that really get our attention are things that a few years ago people said that couldn't be done. I mean, I'm reading right now through a really big book. It's just titled Benjamin Franklin. But it's about his life and all the things that he tried. I mean, him getting together with some other big thinkers in Philadelphia. I mean, starting when he was only 26 years old, getting together with some people became a little mastermind called the Hunta that they met for over 40 years. But out of that little group, they came up with, you know, they were big on lending each other books, which is a great idea. But out of that, then they thought, well, other people can benefit as well. And so they combined their books and created the first public library. Those guys came up with the first volunteer fire department, the first public hospital, the first paved roads. Those were all things. Now think about how innovative those things all would be if they'd never been done before. Well, that's the kind of thing that energizes me. And so don't be afraid of going into new territory. Sure, cover your bases, create a good plan, absolutely. But then walk into those with your head held high into the kind of things where people think I'm crazy doing what I'm doing. All right. Well, this comes from Kevin and Amanda. And um, Kevin says, I have a desire to start a business to help with our family's income and have several ideas. This may seem ridiculous or silly, but I'm fearful. The constant negativity from the media, television, newspapers, and even bumper stickers I see on cars is overwhelming. It leaves me little hope for the future and actually discourages me from starting something. How would you combat fear in an increasingly negative world? Thanks for what you do. Kevin and Amanda, man, I got great news for you. I got really great news. Now, let me set the stage for a little bit here. Now, for one thing, avoid watching things like CNN, which Peter Diamandis refers to as constantly negative news, CNN. 90% of the news in the newspaper and on television is negative. Why? Because that's what we pay attention to. I mean, we live in a 24-hour negative news cycle in CNN, MSNBC, Fox, Facebook, Twitter, other sources of news. They do whatever they can to keep us watching. That's the goal. I mean, those news sources are a business. They survive by keeping our attention. The only way they can get sponsors is by proving that they have people watching. The way they keep people watching is to have as much negative, horrific news as possible because we have proven that's what we watch. I mean, it can involve anything about the latest election, terror attack, mass shooting, train derailment. My gosh. You know, and, and, and sometimes we, we kind of have this feeling, well, as a concerned citizen, you know, I need to be informed. I need to get as much information as possible. 
But you have to realize that news is a business. They're simply selling a product. And those anchors and those what are supposed to be respected, trusted people, correspondents, they'll say and do anything to keep us watching. By creating, exaggerating, and of course we've had a lot of news recently about fake news. They create fake news to keep us watching. But here's the good thing. You can decide what you listen to, what you watch, and what you allow in your mind. Wow. I mean, you can immediately make the decision about what you allow into your mind. One of my little books is titled The Rudder of the Day because it it comes from that. You know, Henry Ward Beecher said the first hour is the rudder of the day, the golden hour. And in there, I talk about, you know, be careful how you start your morning. You're planting the seeds for what the day will hold. You get up late, turn on the TV, grab a cup of coffee and a donut, rush out the door, fuming at the idiots in traffic, you know, drop down exhausted at your desk at 810. You've set the tone for the day. Everything will seem like pressure and your best efforts are going to be greatly diluted. Well, that's not what I do. I mean, I got up this morning. No alarm clock. I haven't used an alarm clock in probably 25 years because I go to bed at a reasonable time and have clearly in my mind when I want to start the next day. I get up, spend 30 minutes in meditation, devotional reading. Then I go to my workout area. While working out physically, I take advantage of my extensive audio library, podcast, just so that I fill that 45 minutes with both physical exertion combined with metal in, mental input and expansion, your pure, clean, hopeful, optimistic, spiritual things that I put in my brain. I never am going to, you know, grab my phone and look at the news feeds or look at Facebook or turn on the TV. My goodness, not in the first part of the day. I mean, I can do a quick check at some point during the day to scan things that are, are of interest to me, but It's not going to be starting the day. Protect that first hour of the day, making sure that everything going into your brain is positive, clean, pure, creative, and inspirational. That's not going to come from the news. That's not going to come from social media. You got to protect that. But you can. Kevin, wow. I mean, I know that most of my creative ideas have come from that protected time of the day. Often when I'm in a full sweat. But then by nine o'clock, I'm invigorated, motivated, ready to face anything that the day may bring. I already sent you a copy of the Rudder of the Day. I want you to start your day reading a couple of those. They're quick reads, three, four minutes each. Um, A lot of people have shared how that's helped them with that. Don't get caught up in the news, fear, and anxiety that are out there. You can move in. I mean, think about the things that we see I mean, how would you, people would not respond if we were getting positive news feeds. Infant mortality rate, lowest in history. It's been 150 years since the bubonic plague swept the nation. And the lifespan has increased dramatically in the last 100 years. All those things are true. I mean, most babies born in 1900 didn't live past age 50. Now, life expectancy for somebody being born today 
is 83 years if you live in Japan and most other countries, it's 81 years. I mean, we've gone from 50 to 81. That's great news. The human race is doing pretty well. But you know, those, those good achievements in health science, psychology, spirituality, whatever, that they just don't usually make the news. It's not those positive life affirming stories. I mean, my gosh, you know, Billy Crystal and his wife have been married for 46 years. They have two children, four grandchildren. Do you see that on the headlines of the magazines when you're walking through the grocery checkout line? No. You see this artificially contrived crap about Faith Hill and Tim McGraw, you know, going through a $20 million divorce. You know, and then you see them together and they're singing their next love song. It's like, wait a minute. Apparently that was not really true. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, my gosh. I mean, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, another couple got married 1988, still happily married. You don't see those things. Dan and Joanne Miller. <laughs> I mean, our lives are not going to make the news. We love our life. We've been married 49 years. Doesn't make the news anywhere. What makes the news is the negative stuff. Don't get caught up in that. Boy, great question. You can change today so that you aren't exposed to all that fear and it'll increase immediately your boldness, optimism, enthusiasm about what you want to do. Walk into it with your head held high. Those new ideas. Now is a great time to start a new career, to start a new business. All of those things that you have as ideas there. Absolutely. This is the way to go. Hey, a couple of things I want to share from uh, 48 Days Eagles. Again, that group is growing every day. Just go to 48dayseagles.com. You can check it out. Get involved with us. We'll be sharing more and more about what's happening there. Uh, Greg Tosi does a Monday morning check-in, and then he does an open group on Wednesday evening for people. I love what Greg's doing. But this Monday, he just put up, what are you working on your business or job hunt this week? Where are you stuck? How can we help as Eagles? And people immediately jumped in there. Donna Reed talked about the tax rush is over. And now she's doing more lengthy projections for her clients that are generating over $100,000 a month in revenue. Uh, Jennifer Harshman says she's doing a final proofread on a book on behalf of a publisher, editing a different book, multiple articles for other clients. She's contacting 15 people. Anyway, doing. I, mean, I love seeing what people are doing in here. Anna Powers finishing four more email funnels for copywriting clients. This week, fun, fun, fun. These are things that people in the 48 Days Eagles are just sharing. Alan Dubon says, I'm working with two new prospective clients. They seem to be a good fit. Working on growing my leads, potentially bringing on a few salespeople. Um, Melissa Goff says, I'm creating content for my subscription site, putting finishing touches on a website, social media, so it's building while I'm gone for my instructor training. Uh, Teresa McCoy, I love what she's put up. She put on a, a picture looking down the front end of her John Deere tractor. Um, Teresa is a, a coach and author as well, but she also helps her husband on their 1,000-acre farm. Communicated with her a couple of days ago. I asked her how many acres of corn they're putting out. They're putting out 600 acres. But she also has a big meeting with a client to train his team on the 12-week year program. She's training in the 12-week year. She, she just yesterday did a Zoom call, training call, while in the cab of her tractor out in the field. 
I mean, how cool is that to combine different parts of a productive, enjoyable life? Well, let's see. Who else is doing something here? Uh, Chip Feek says, I'm going to work on content for my website, finish documenting and testing the process. Johnny Ferris says, I'm reaching out to old photography friends to see if they need help. Creating a new habit to actively reach out to three people a day. Oh, what a great thing to be building in. So inspiring, so inspiring. Well, I put that I'm, I'm working on the new workbook for our Innovate Conference coming up here in a couple weeks. I mean, I love working through that. We've got some really creative people coming. I'm looking at the registrations as they come in. Um, Innovate Conference is going to be May 11th and 12th right here at the Sanctuary. So I'm working on a new workbook to address specifically some of the things that people want to address when they're here. But then I'm also communicating with the, uh, did an interview this last week with uh, Chad Jeffers, who is guitarist with Carrie Underwood. But he's going to be here, has some amazing stories about his own journey as a musician, even some things that have happened real recently. But one of the things that Chad's dad told him when he was a little boy, just kind of getting started, he said, if you want this music thing to work, never get a job with benefits. Well, what a, what a cool phrase to carry with you. Chad's dad had done exactly that. He was wanted to be a musician, but he got locked in a job that had good benefits, and that safety net kept him from really pursuing life as a musician. Chad has not gotten a real job. He's done creative things all along and has had opportunity to play with people like Keith Urban, uh, Kenny Loggins, of course, Carrie Underwood, and a whole lot of other people. But he's going to be here uh, sharing about that. So Chad will be one of our presenters at Innovate, along with Debbie Dearman. She's going to be here talking about her transition from uh, vocal music into art, visual art. What prompted that and how she's had success on both sides of the equation. And that's usually typically true. People who are artistic, there's not just one thing where they can be successful. If they can be successful in one thing, they can transition to other things as well. Love seeing how that plays out. Bob, uh, Bob Baker will be here, author of The Empowered Artist, and we got other guests as well. Of course, my granddaughter, Clara, will be here doing a presentation with my wife, Joanne, talking about their latest book, but how you take ideas, turn them into real physical products. Uh, I'll have Clara share about some of her uh, financial success as well as a little entrepreneur, as a little artist, as she's developing. She's nine. She'll, well, she'll be 10 by the time we meet for Innovate. Again, Love to see some of you here. We still got a few seats left. That's going to be a fun time. It'll be Innovate right here. Check it out at the live events under 48days.com. Innovate May 11th and 12th. Justin Gentry put up a question in the Eagles group. As of now, what's the best book you've read this year? I was blown away looking through this. The 12-week year is probably the winner. 12-week year. It's a book. I mean, I've read it. Uh, we, we use it in our planning, our business planning, and what it means is that instead of looking at a year where you can kind of put things off, procrastinate for a while, 12 weeks means things come up pretty quickly. So you have a clear plan for 12 weeks, then start another 12 weeks and essentially go through four of those. Of course, that would only be 48 weeks, but gives you a little bit more time in, for your planning during the year. So that's a real popular one, 12-week year. Kevin Lewis says... Um, as a truck driver, he listens to books on Audible. His favorites for this year so far are Two Chairs by Bob Bodine 
and $100 Startup. Golly, that's a Chris Gillaboo book. So what else? Extreme Ownership, How U.S. Navy SEALs Lead and Win is a big one that's been mentioned here. Simon Sinek, Start With Why and The One Thing by Gary Keller. Uh, the Big Leap, The Big Leap, Gay Hendricks. That's one where it talks about the Upper Limit Challenge. Uh, Greg Vance said that's one he's read. Yep, great book. We've, we've gone through that with my mastermind and got a, had a lot of impact in what we were doing there. Alexander Hamilton. Boy, that's a big book. My gosh. The Little Things by Andy Andrews. I had Andy on a few weeks ago. We talked about that. The Little Things. Yeah, great book. What else here? Mastering the Seven Decisions that Determine Personal Success. Tools of Titans. That's Tim, uh, Tim Ferriss's new book. Justin Gentry says, uh, How to Develop Your Personal Mission Statement. Big one, Acres of Diamonds. Wow, that's an old one by uh, Russell Conwell. 10% Entrepreneur, Patrick McGinnis. We had Patrick on a few weeks back. 10% Entrepreneur. Some of the people are saying that's the best book because they, they heard me talk about it. That's the best book that they have read this year. The More of Less, Finding the Life You Want Under Everything You Own. Well, I could go on and on. These are just books that people are sharing in the 48 Days Eagles group here but i love seeing how people are sharing ideas resources and increasing success dramatically for people in there so if you haven't checked that out please do 48dayseagles.com we'd love to see you there Um, we're developing more and more things that we're doing there we're developing a system where in the first hundred days we want to help you track your success have you identify what it is you want to accomplish and then help you track that success by aligning you with one of our mentors over there in that group so that's the plan well hey, just a couple reminders and i already mentioned innovate coming up of course the other big event that we've got coming up here is coaching with excellence that's going to be in the later part of may if you have people coming to you asking for your advice and opinion and you're thinking wow maybe now's the time to be a coach position yourself as a coach could you do it Hey, check it out. Coaching with Excellence. It's our premier event that we have here. We do it three times a year. Um, This is the second one. We'll have one more in the later part of the fall, but this is the one coming up 25th and 26th of May. Love to see you here for there. Two days. We're going to pour into you and help you leave here with a plan for how you can position yourself as a coach. Whoa, there it is. Golly, I love the questions today. Love the questions today. Absolutely great. Hey, go back and review kind of encouragement. People are laughing at your dreams. Your dreams aren't big enough. That was a quotation. Make people question your sanity. Do things that make people scratch their head and tell you it can't be done. That's probably an indication you're onto something worthwhile, if that in fact is true. So thanks for submitting the questions that you continue to send in every week. Know I love opening that mailbox. Looking through the questions you submit, just shoot them into me at askdan at 48days.com. Thanks for being part of this growing group of people in the 48 Days Eagles and beyond. All of us together who are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Don't settle for less. 